Hello. Hi, is this Becky? Yes. You can hear me? I can hear you just fine. Oh, <laughs> oh that's so good. I am having You're having trouble? trouble? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, my um, computer has decided that this website that I use, this blog talk radio platform, is not secure. And it just, like, it just fights it all the time. And, oh, uh, no. I cannot seem to straighten out the settings, so it gives, I just had a mild heart attack, but. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> it just makes me crazy, and then sometimes it works. And Anyway, well, um, one of my questions for you is, how do I sound? Do I sound really echoey, or do I sound normal? I don't hear any echo at all. Okay, you're not hearing any background noise. No. That is good. Okay. And you sound really good. So that's awesome. Okay, great. Uh, that was the other thing that was happening was sometimes it would kick out my mic and then use the external mic on my computer. And then you could hear like my pen click. Like it was. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. It's just been, um, I don't know. I have, I must have a little gremlin in my computer that likes to play tricks on me or something. No doubt. Yeah. My daughter just, her hard drive crashed. So. It happens. It does. It's, yeah, things it, happen. I mean, it's, it's the nature of the beast. <laughs> and you know, the wonderful thing is what we're able to do because of the computers, right? Like that's what I remind myself of is like this is right. a bit of a headache. But then the miracle is, is that you know we we record these conversations. We're not on the air right now, by the way. We're just recording like off air right now. But um, yeah, that's uh, fine. We're we're like able to do these things, and then then you know amazing things happen with them. So it's. Uh, it's worth all the headaches at the end of the day. Yeah, it is. It is. And, you know, honestly, I'm a little nervous, but at the same time, it's just us having a conversation. So, yes, it is. You might feel a little nervous when I say, okay, we're going to start recording and you'll hear some music play and then you'll uh -huh. hear me do like my little intro. And then, but once you start talking and telling your story, you know, I think we just, we get into our truth and, we own it, you know, like that's, you're, yeah. you're the expert on this. And, um, right. Uh, right. Yeah. I mean, nobody can argue with your experience. Exactly. And, um, you are the gatekeeper in terms of how much or how little you want to share. Um, it's not my job to, you know, provide some kind of expose and make you say things you don't want to, but we, you know, my, I'm no here doubt. to keep the conversation going. And, and if there's something where, um, you know, I think, oh, that sounded interesting. Tell me more about that. Um, y usually the conversation just flows, but for sure, if there's ever something I ask you that you're like, nah, I don't want to talk about that, or, you know, no, let, let's not talk about my mother. Um, that's totally right, fine. right. Yeah, so, okay. Well, well, I fully expect my grandma to listen, so I'm oh. going to be slightly <laughs> vague on some of the details. I mean, she knows everything yeah. anyway. I mean, it's not like I could hide it, you yeah. know. Yeah, so. yeah. That's kind of how but I, I do, fully expect you know? her to listen because she's uh, she's pretty tech savvy these days. And she must be a cheerleader for you then, hey? She is. She's wonderful. Aww. Aren't you lucky? Yeah. Okay. And do you have any questions for me before we start? Um, just quickly, like when does this go on? And ca oh, can I? Be anonymous and just use my last initial. Yeah, I'm. I'm just calling you Becky. 
Okay, great. We'll just say that. Great. Say Becky's story. Um, I can say that you're in Florida or not. I can. Sure, that's fine. Okay. So you are just Becky and we may mention, I'll probably mention you're in Florida because I'm in Canada and it's a little chilly here today. So yeah, yeah, well, you know, part of my story involves Wisconsin. So, you know, I'll mention my running away moment. (laughs) (laughs) And um, I'll mention in my intro that you're, you just celebrated one year. And so that's just basically kind of the theme, you know, that I'm posting with this is that you've just recently celebrated your first sober birthday and you're looking back on the year. Well, it's not my first sober birthday ever, though. I have been around this program since I was 18. Well, and that was so, that was where I was going was that you had just said that you've been trying to do this for 25 years. So. Exactly, exactly. And I have had a year before. I've had two years before, but I've always had that thought in the back of my mind. Maybe just one more time. Maybe I'm not really an alcoholic, and and this time it's different. But that's we'll get to all that. <laughs> okay. So well, that's yeah. Okay, so let's talk about all of that and. Um, Sure. Um, yeah, it's just a really easy conversation. When it's all done, then I'll sort of thank you and I'll tell people where they can write to me and that I will forward their emails to you because sometimes people are like, you know, that specific thing um, really touched my heart. And so sometimes people will ask me to forward an email to a guest. And oh, cool. um, so rather than like giving your contact information out, I can forward it to you. And then you can determine based on what you read there, you know, if you feel comfortable replying to them directly, you can. Um, sometimes people just send me a response to send back to the listener so that they can respond to them without, you know, giving away their contact information. Um, right. It's up to you. And so anyway, so I'll say all of that. And then I'll say, uh, until next time, take good care. And then I play the closing music. And then, um, then you'll just hear things go quiet, because I'm going to put you in an off recording room. And, um, or I don't know, that's what they call it, the screening room. So I'll put us both in a screening room so that we can say goodbye to each other without being recorded while the closing music is playing. Okay. Okay, so when you hear things go quiet, just stay on the line because um, then we'll get a chance to just say goodbye off air. Okay, sounds good. Okay, well then, if you're ready, I'm going to take a sip of my tea. One last one. Yeah, get this water out here. And, it, you know, it's fine, like, you know, if your dog barks or whatever. There's usually oh, something, no dog. some noise happens. <laughs> okay. Okay, well, my dog will probably Yeah, and my roommate and her boyfriend are out. I don't expect them back anytime soon, so... Okay. Should be nice and quiet. So if if an interruption does happen, like don't worry about it. But I always tell people, like you know, we can kind of hear like if you run water, or if you like flush the toilet or something, you know. Oh, like, sir. Can hear that. <laughs> uh, and um, I don't know if you're a smoker, but sometimes people smoke or vape when they're talking, and we can that gets really picked up usually in the phone line too. So like that sort of will get. Um, it'll sound right. like a hurricane. Right. So. So those are the only two things, and we try not to swear, and that's about it. So Sounds um, good. Well, I'm going to go ahead okay. and vape now real quick then. <laughs> okay, sure. Do that while I'm doing kind of the opening thing. If you need to, you know, it's fine to just, even if you just kind of know to blow away from um, uh, the phone, like, while you're doing it, um, just to know that, like, it it can pick it up. So that's all. Gotcha. Yeah, I should be good for an hour. I'll be fine. Okay. If you need to, do it. But <laughs> um, Okay, I'm going to roll the music then and we're going to start, okay?
Okay, sounds good. And before I do that, let me just say thank you for it's like I'm really I'm looking forward to hearing your story and like thank you for doing this. Yeah. Oh, it's absolutely my pleasure. Awesome. Okay. Well, let's roll. We'll start. So this is Becky's story in three, two, one. Not proud that that was me And when I face it I take back a little dignity Not looking for excuses I just want to be free from power Weakness head on me Free, 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 free Well, hello there everyone and welcome to the bubble hour where real people tell real stories of addiction and recovery i'm your host jean mccarthy i write the blog unpickled Uh, that's where i've been telling my story of over seven years of life after alcohol that's where i tell my story and then i invite you to tell your stories here and on the show today i welcome becky from florida who recently celebrated uh, one year of sobriety, but she points out to me it wasn't her first sober birthday, but it feels really good this time and it's feeling really different. And so uh, Becky's here to tell us her story and to look back on uh, where she's been and what is ahead. Becky, welcome to the Bubble Hour. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to talk to you because, oh, you know what? Just as you started speaking, the sun came out where I am. I have been frozen all day up here in Canada, and you're (laughs) down in lovely Florida. And I was so jealous as I was setting up the show thinking that you are in the sun and warm and I'm freezing up here. But uh, the sun just came out as your voice started. So, (laughs) Oh, that's (laughs) awesome. Yeah, look at that. Uh, well, why don't well we just so by... you feel better, it's about to be unbearably hot here. So. Oh, you poor thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's going to be terrible. Poor, poor thing. <laughs> I had to wear a toque when I walked my dog this morning. Do you know what a toque is? <laughs> Do you know that word? It's like a knit hat. Uh, what, a, not a really. <laughs> it's what we call like our ski hats or like our knit hats. Oh, we put gosh. on the color of toque. So it was so cold I had to wear that this morning. So I, nice. sorry, I don't feel too sorry for you at all that you're going to be too hot. <laughs> So let's start out by just having you tell us a little bit about yourself and about your experience. Sure. Um, well, I mean, at this at this point, I'm 43. I've got three kids. Uh, my oldest daughter's 18, and I have two younger ones. They're eight and ten. And um, as a result of my drinking and using and whatnot, um, they do live with their dad, but they're here in town, so they're very close, and I get to see them very, very often. They stay with me on weekends, but. Um, Really, I guess, going back to, you know, where it all started, um, I just remember, you know, always kind of feeling different, like I was a misfit, kind of lost and lonely. And and when I did discover booze when I was about 10, it gave me this confidence that I just couldn't find inside. And so I, I started kind of sneaking it whenever I had a chance. Like my mom would have those big boxes of wine, so I'd get a couple of glasses and get real giddy for a few hours and um you know after uh, a couple of years of doing that I realized I remember so clearly the day that this happened to um I remember thinking 
one day, oh my gosh, Becky, you like this way too much. And if you don't stop, you're going to have a problem. And um, so, I, I mean, when I was 11 or 12 years old, I knew I was an alcoholic. So um, I didn't drink very much after that through high school. Um, I was kind of an overachiever, straight A's, uh, swim team. You know, I just, I worked really hard trying to get some approval. Parents, from my teachers, from my peers, wherever I could get it. Um, and of course, you know that uh, boys as well kind of went down that road for a while. Um, once I turned 18, I discovered that I was skilled at working in adult entertainment. Um, and in Chicago, you know, there's like strip clubs everywhere. So um, I tried, you know, making all that money. And then, of course, you know, the, that environment kind of lends itself to uh, drugs. So I got introduced to the hard stuff. And um, so for about most of my 18th year, I was living in Chicago doing all kinds of crazy things and um, ended up uh, getting just really out there one night and tried to kill myself. Ended up on a psych ward for a couple of weeks, and uh, that's when my first journey into recovery started. Um, my mom drove up from Florida, picked me up, brought me back down here, and took me to a 12-step meeting. And so I went to 12-step meetings for a year. That was my very first year in recovery, and, and I made it a whole year sober. Um, but there was something inside me that was saying, I'm not really an alcoholic. I'm just too young to be an alcoholic. I mean, drugs were my problem, sure, but alcohol is not an issue. I'm not even old enough to drink, right? So um, anyway, started drinking again, and that kind of went on and off for you know, several years, I tried many geographic cures. I was always running away, running away from myself, mostly. Um, but, you know, wherever you go, there you are. So I'd always kind of show up and, and wreck things wherever I ended up. Um, it wasn't until I was about 25, I had gotten sober and gotten separated from my husband at the time. I was pregnant. He divorced me when I was eight months pregnant, and I was just miserable and huge and terrified. And um, some church people I knew kind of introduced me to that community. So that kind of helped for a while. Um, so I, it really, I really did get uh, a new relationship with God at that point. So, you know, that's kind of been instrumental in my life and in, in, in keeping me um, on the straight and narrow for the periods of time that I was. Um, but of course, you know, relationship with my higher power or whatever was not exactly enough. Um, let's see. Yeah. So after that, I ended up being sober most of uh, my oldest daughter's life. I would have a year or two years or six months or three months or, you know, whatever. And, and then I would have these brief but always very disastrous relapses. So I would be sober for two years, and I'd drink for like a week, and just everything, just destroy everything completely, and then get sober for two more years. So I don't know exactly what it was that kept me um, going back, but I always kind of had this thought in my head of, oh, well, maybe just one more time. Maybe I can just do this one time, and, and then I'll stop. And, and it never really worked that way for me. But um, then about four years ago, I had uh, just turned 40. I was in a car accident, and um, 
the doctor put me on these painkillers, and it was very heavy-duty stuff. And, uh, of course, that's a slippery slope. So as soon as I tried to come off the pain painkillers, I started drinking again. And um, I ran away yet again, back to Wisconsin. Uh, at the end, you know, I, I just, I destroyed everything in my path. I was a tornado and nothing was safe. You know, I, I basically, I abandoned my two younger children. Um, my older one was in high school at the time, but um, she was very angry with me for years. And um, honestly, today we have an amazing relationship, but um, we'll get to that, Charlie. But um, yeah, I was, I mean, basically at the end, I was just lifeless. I was just so full of shame. And honestly, death would have been an improvement. So I had alienated everybody, my kids, my family, and I was, I was trying to kill myself with alcohol and drugs, but I just would not die. I was wishing for death at that point. And you know, just about 13 months ago, one day I woke up, I had a moment of clarity, and I realized that my kids need their mom, you know, and it, and it's kind of a funny story. I was sitting there talking to this drug dealer at the time, and I and I was feeling so sorry for myself, and, and I said, you know, my kids deserve better than me, and he said, no, they don't. They deserve better from you, and it was that moment that just struck me, and I was like, you know what? You're right. I'm done. I'm so done. And I mean, talk about, you know, God using people in strange ways. I mean, that was just, it was amazing that that, you know, came about that way. So um, I made a decision, you know, I had surrendered my life um, to this imminent death and, and destruction. And the only way to change things at this point was to surrender, you know, my life to to something good, to surrender my life to, to living. And um, so everything had to change. You know, I had to change where I was living because it was, it was pretty gross. You know, it was, uh, it was not a healthy environment. Um, one of the girls I lived with was whacked out on all kinds of pills, and the other girl was in rehab at the time. And so, um, so I packed up and looked for a place to live. And, and, uh, a friend of mine from years ago from church, she uh, had a bedroom that she was thinking about renting out, and I've been here for a year now. Um, and that was, I was about 30 days sober when she rented me that room. And uh, now she's selling her house, so I'm looking for a place to live. But uh, you know what? I'm not worried about it today because I'm sober, and I don't, you know, I, I don't have to worry that somebody's not going to want me to live with them because, you know, it, it'll all work out. It just, it just seems to, but, uh, so then around 60 days, uh, my oldest daughter who had hated me was so angry, didn't speak to me for like two years. She moved in with me and we got an opportunity to work on our relationship. Um, I recall driving in the car with her one day and I was just kind of, I started tearing up and I said, you know, sweetheart, but I'm not going to tell you I'm sorry because I know it means absolutely nothing because I've said it so many times in the past. And I just, I kind of choked up and, and she looked at me and she said, I know mom, I can tell you're different this time. And it just, the fact that my daughter could see something different in this recovery compared to my previous recoveries um, or attempts at recovery, I guess. Um, it just, it, that was like the moment I knew that, that this was real, 
you know, that, that I was going to be able to do it this time. You know, I had my, my kid on my side and, you know, she's challenging, but, you know, she's, she's an amazing kid. You know, when I, I um, now early in sobriety, I, I still wasn't behaving as perfectly as, as um, I would like to. And, and I was, got fired from a job around five months, four months sober. And I was really embarrassed and ashamed about that. And um, I mean, that's what happens when you don't show up and you, you know, you act like a jerk at work and stuff like that. So, you know, I wasn't incredibly spiritual at that time. And uh, so I got fired. So I ended up going over and getting a job at Pizza Hut. Um, And it was while I was at Pizza Hut that I really learned some humility you know, just I, I started being grateful that I had any job at all. And so while I was there, um, I got a call from a recruiter um, in my field. I'm, I'm an accountant by trade. I did somehow, I don't know how, finished college in there um, during those years where I was in and out of sobriety. But um, so right around five months, I started interviewing for this job and they brought me back for a second interview and then they wanted me to do this test and that test and a drug test and I was like Ooh, I can pass that one and um, then they gave me the job and it's you know it's it pays really well I get paid vacation I have health insurance 401k I mean this is unbelievable and I wasn't even six months sober yet so um, about another month or two later um, my ex-husband my second husband let me start taking my younger daughters overnight. And that was just a huge leap of faith for him because he saw me through, you know, some of my very worst times. Um, Closer to a year, I started changing my food and exercise habits because I let myself get a little pudgy at the beginning. But, you know, honestly, I really just wanted to stay sober. And if it meant eating chocolate bars for breakfast, I was going to do it because if I was having cravings, I needed sugar. So I allowed myself to eat whatever I needed to eat for the first six months or so. And then after that, it kind of, it was a challenge to, to stop eating all that garbage. But I've started making healthier food choices now. So, but um, yeah, that's kind of really the long and short of it. I mean, uh, as far as, you know, knowing that it's different this time, I, I don't, any, I no longer have that desire to try it just one more time. It got so bad, it was so miserable that I don't ever want to take the risk that I'll end up back there again. So, you, yeah. And I do you think that you've found something in yourself that you like a new value for yourself? Because when you talked to, about being younger and just it sounded like you had a lot of self-loathing and you just didn't feel worthy. And where are you finding that worthiness now? You know. Um, I listen to a lot of Christian music. That's pretty much all I listen to now. Um, I have found, and I I don't go to church a lot. It's not, you know, I I just, I found that it's such a positive influence that if I'm listening to the music that I listened to back when I was drinking, it makes me want to drink. So I found a new kind of music that has a very positive message. And, I, you know, I am a Christian. I do believe in God. And Christian music just seems to really fit very well. Plus, it's a lot of fun going to Christian music concerts with my little kids. 
Um, we just recently went to see Chris Tomlin, and it was an absolutely fantastic night. The people around me um, thanked me for bringing my kids because they enjoyed watching them, you know, sing and worship and stuff. So, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun, and we have another one coming up in June. So, yeah, we uh, it's it's something that I can do with my family now as well. Um, but yeah, it, the gratitude has been a huge, huge game changer for me. Um, I do have a sponsor in a 12-step program, and at, at the beginning of my recovery, she asked me to make a daily gratitude list of five things that I was grateful for. And at first, it was really hard to think of five things. Um, it would be like, you know, I'm grateful I have a job. I'm grateful I have a roof over my head. I'm grateful my car's running. I'm grateful, you know, just like the basics, the simple things. And, you know, as I've grown in my sobriety, now I find that it's automatic. Um, I don't usually sit and write down that list anymore. Occasionally I do. But now when I'm like driving in traffic and people are cutting me off, I'm like, oh, I'm grateful I'm not in as much a hurry as that guy. You know what I mean? <laughs> it just kind of like I, I just have like this constant sense of gratitude. And, and it keeps me from getting angry and frustrated and, and you know, feeling those feelings of um, low self-worth that made me want to drink before. Um, I mean, at the end, I was I was dead. You know, I was uh-huh. dead inside. I, I may as well have been dead. So after that point, anything going forward is a bonus. You know, you, you know, have a lot just, of insight because I uh, I have a friend who she ended up um, actually dying of her drug addiction, but. I remember seeing her when she was in the throes of it and feeling like even though she didn't talk as if she was suicidal, the way she was living was like it was suicidal. It was just a slow suicide because she just, she didn't value her life. Like she didn't, she was willing to take that risk every time. Absolutely. um, And I've heard it it called suicide on the installment plan. Oh, you know, yeah. I was too chicken. Yeah. Isn't that fun? I was too chicken to to outright kill myself, but I was trying really hard. I was yeah. trying really hard to make my heart explode or something. Yeah. You know. Yeah. yeah. And um, I hear a joy in your voice. You. This is the first time you and I have spoke, so we're just getting to know each other as we're talking here. But mm-hmm. I, I hear joy in your voice. It sounds like it comes from in your heart. I don't know how else to. Explain explain that but sometimes I just I can hear a light in people's voice is that something that just you've always had about you or does that feel like something new in you um I, I something that I've always had when I've been sober to some degree I think it's different today um one <laughs> well I did mention earlier that uh that I was you know seeking approval and attention from anywhere I could get it so you know yeah. Boys and men figured into that quite a bit, and um, I've been single for two and a half years, and I've got to tell you, this is the happiest I've ever been in my entire life. Um, I think I, I was looking for some kind of validation outside myself for so long that I think, I guess I've just gotten to a point where I'm okay with me, and it doesn't matter what other people think especially when I'm taking really good care of myself. You know, today I eat every day. Um, I sleep every night. I haven't called in sick once at this job, and I've been there since November. So, you know, I'm doing all the right things that I'm supposed to be doing, 
and I feel good about that. You know, it just, uh, now I make mistakes. Uh, we all make mistakes. We're human. It's what we do, you know, but I, I don't mind owning my mistakes today, you know. And what did you do with them before? Did you just pretend they didn't exist or did you overplay them? What, like, what, what did, how did you feel with your mistakes in the past? I allowed myself to, to picture myself as, as a victim. It was always somebody doing something bad to me, something wrong to me. It was never the other way around. Um, I always felt like somebody was trying to take something from me or, you know, not give me something I wanted. And it was, it was never just about me being me. Um, I, I allowed myself to become victimized because I put myself in situations that, that made that possible. Mm. You know, so, you started but, uh, drinking at a, a really young age. I mean, uh, I did. That's pretty young, and um, I wonder, um, as you look back on it now, what do you see? Was do do you think there was something that was behind that besides just curiosity? Um, the way you talk about like being an overachiever and an approval junkie and. Uh, boys like that's very familiar to me as someone who I would say like I'm a raging codependent or at least I was as a younger person <laughs> and that's part of what I'm healing I think it's a it's a, um, a label that a lot of us in recovery can identify with oh we definitely in our lives but is there something that you've sort of pinpointed as what you needed to come to terms with or something that you internalized that gave you a misdirected message? What, what have you learned about yourself as you kind of look back on those early years? Yeah, you know, I'm not really sure. I, I don't know that it does us a whole lot of good to ask why we're yeah. alcoholics um, or, or what it was that, that turned us into one. Um, I think, you know, when I was younger, I was, I was just so lonely and, and, and I just felt different. And I didn't want to feel different. You know, I, I kind of have this theory about community. I think everyone really deep down wants to belong to a community. It doesn't matter if it's, you know, a, a church or a 12-step program or, you know, a Doctor Who convention. I mean, you, you've <laughs> got to have a community of people that understand you and, and, and lift you up and make you, you know, be your cheerleaders and want to see you succeed. And wherever you find that community, I think it's fantastic. I didn't really have that as a child. Um, I mean, I, my parents didn't get divorced until I was nine. So, um, I mean, we lived in a nice neighborhood with lots of families and I went to, you know, the Catholic school and, you know, I mean, we had, it was suburban, you know, middle class, but I just, I just always kind of felt, different and drinking made that go away it made me feel big it made me feel real big that's a that's an interesting word to to choose to say it because I think a lot of us drink <laughs> to sort of feel smaller or softer or you know um I guess that's just to change mm. how we feel and so um right yeah like it gave you presence and power kind of um when you were 18 and you moved away and um, got into a lifestyle that ended up exploding quite quickly, what happened to your relationships mm -hmm. back home, like with your friends and your family? Did they know what you were doing? Were they shocked by it? Or did you sort of keep that separate at all? Or were you living out loud? 
Well, um, my dad knew that I was working at that at that bar, and um, in you know in that lifestyle, I, I had started college and um, had gotten my own apartment because I was making pretty good money. Um, but once I didn't have that supervision, I, I just went downhill really fast. Um, I didn't have anybody that I had, you know, to, to answer to. And when it was just me, I didn't know how to keep myself from going down the tubes real quick like that. Um, but yeah, I, I burned a lot of bridges. I had some really good friends and, and that suicide attempt I mentioned, um, uh, I, that was on prom night. And my friend showed up at the ER in her prom dress. Hmm. And uh, so, yeah, I, I I pretty much destroyed every relationship that I could get my hands on. <sighs> my heart's hurting for you. I just remember being that age and having my friend that I was telling about earlier, just you're bringing her to mind for me. And it makes me feel like I didn't know how to help her at that age, you know? I think right. I, I as, as, a, as the friend that abandoned the friend in need because I did not know what to do. It, it was scary. And um, I guess, you know, instead I didn't know how to express that I was afraid. So instead I expressed that I was mad. And, um, and so we fought, you know, and, and, and then that mm-hmm. was it for the friendship. And um, I look back on that and really feel sad about it because I didn't, I didn't know how to help her. I mean, even now that we're older and, and, you know, we're adults and we have a little bit more experience in the world, it's still hard, you know, when someone is really struggling and um, people in crisis aren't always the most lovable. Um, sure. It's heck not trustworthy. True. So, you know, you can really feel burnt a lot. And so just as you're saying this, this, my heart is just hurting because I feel like you needed friends and you needed people, but the thing at 18 is that the people around you aren't always equipped to be right the the help that you need but you had some pretty strong female relationships in your life from the sounds of it your mom your mom came and got you what was that like um I, it was it was strange i mean i guess she she's kind of always helped me pick up the pieces um until <laughs> up until I got pregnant and divorced and she said, nope, you're on your own. And I was like, oh man, what do I do now? Um, but she, you know, she's always still been there for me. Um, she occasionally will loan me a little money to, to pay the phone bill or something if I get into a tight spot. But, um, you know, it's, she's, uh, she's done caretaking mm-hmm. and, um, and I'm glad. I'm glad she cut me off when I was 25 because I needed to grow up a little bit. You know, I think um, sometimes we have a tendency to just keep using and using and using the people around us until they're used up and then they want nothing more to do with us. And I think it was a very strong thing for my mom to do to stand up and say no more. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, it so. would be hard. And now that you have a daughter who's 18, um, I, and uh, and you have a great relationship with her. You were saying it's really, I do really, today. Yeah, it's amazing. It's really touching how um, how that came back around. But um, now, as a mom, do you look back on your relationship with your mom at that same age and see anything differently, or does it inform how you are now as a mom to a young woman that age? You know, I think I think it does. Um, you know, my mom 
she, she wouldn't play my game anymore. And now that I'm older, I can see the games that I was playing, and I see my kids playing them. And I get to call them out and say, you're playing a game with me. And at least, you know, now that I have this experience, I can identify those things and call it to their attention and say, look, there's an issue here. Let's discuss this. As opposed to letting them, you know, run all over me because I feel guilty about not being there for a while. You know what? I felt guilty while I was still drinking, but today I don't. I don't feel guilty anymore because I've come back and I'm going to do everything in my power to stay back this time. You know, I'm here for the long haul. And, um, you know, I was thinking about it. I still sometimes have those moments where I think about, oh, I would be nice to have a margarita. No, because it never stops at one, you know. Mm -hmm. And, and when, that, when that happens, I just kind of think it through. I play the tape through to the end, you know. Um, Stephen Covey in his Seven Habits of Highly Successful People, um, he says it, one of his habits is to begin with the end in mind. And he tells you to picture your funeral. And who's there? And what are they saying about you? And so I try and do that when I start to think about taking a drink. I'm like, well, what kind of funeral do I want to have? Do I want people to stand around saying, oh, so sad, such a waste? Or do I want them to be there telling funny stories and saying, man, this girl had a good life? You know? Mm. So I think about that. And, yeah. uh, and it kind of helps keep me on track. Yeah, I like that. I think that's true, too. Just what do we want to leave behind, right? What do, what's our legacy going to be? Absolutely. You mentioned um, that pain meds uh, led you to relapse pretty spectacularly. And yeah. pain meds are tricky for people in recovery. You know, I had a gallbladder surgery a couple of years ago, and I said to the doctor in the ER, you know, I'm sober, so I need to be really careful with pain medication. And he said, oh, don't worry. Um, you know, I have something that's non-euphoric and non-addictive, and uh, I'll give you that. And, like, you know, just don't worry about it. And so I took that and was feeling like, great, I'm doing the right thing here. And then it turned out, I mean, it is non-euphoric. It was tramadol, which is still an opiate. It is still addictive. True. And there are tons of um, stories online of people that really, I mean, relapsed and, and oh God, it's so hard, even when you're trying to be proactive mm -hmm. about it. Is that a fear for you now? Or what would you do if you found yourself, you know, with an injury? What do you think um, needs to happen for people like us when we are in need of pain treatment? Yeah, you know, that's a really tough question. Um, I mean, personally, I can't stand painkillers. I hate the way they make me feel. And the only reason I took them at that time was because I was in a tremendous amount of pain. I have four herniated discs in my neck, and I don't take anything for it today. So, except I took some Advil earlier. But, um, I, you know, I was in a tremendous amount of pain fresh out of that car accident. And um, he, put me on, he put me on a fentanyl patch. Mm, and it wasn't the, the drug itself, I think, that, that triggered the relapse. It was the withdrawal. I decided yeah. I didn't like it and I wasn't going to take it anymore. So I took the patch off. It was so horrible. That's when I started drinking again. And the mm -hmm. drinking always led me to the other harder stuff. So, I mean, it, it just, yeah, I couldn't handle the withdrawals. Um, that's why I don't like it because I don't like how it feels when it, when it wears off. Um, yeah. so that's never been like my drug of choice. It was never something that I sought out that I wanted, you know, on purpose. Um, mm -hmm. 
if I have to take it for an operation or something, that's fine. I can do that and then stop because I don't like it. But other people, you know, that was their drug of choice. So what are they supposed to do? And that's, mm -hmm. you know, that's where it just becomes a really hard question. There's no cookie cutter answer for that. Yeah. I have to agree with you. I think awareness is the first thing, right? I mean, just so many Definitely. of us. Definitely. You've got to be honest okay. with the doctor. Yeah, yeah. And and even just to say, okay, I I don't know. I'm I'm worried about this. And uh, you know what I, I was going to say, too, what I did with the, I went off my pain meds as quickly as I could. And, and then there was still some left. So I took them back to the pharmacist and asked him to dispose of them. And he was like, mm -hmm. are you sure? Like, these are kind of nice to have around if you ever have a migraine or something. I was like, <laughs> no, I don't. I can't have those in my house. Not at my house. <laughs> and he just looked at me like, what? What's your deal? But I thought, oh, my gosh, we have so much educating to do. But you do have to be yeah. brave and proactive. Um, well, you know, I, and, and alcohol is it's legal. So it's like it's everywhere. I mean, my roommate, she's a normal person. She can drink. She drinks, you know, some days. Some days she doesn't. There's, you know, bottles of wine and Southern Comfort and beer and, you know, whatever floating around the house. And it just doesn't even bother me today, which I, I thought was fascinating when, when I realized that there's, you know, a wine rack on the kitchen counter. And it took me about three or four weeks after I moved in here to even notice it was there. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. it, it's just such, it, it's so not a part of my life anymore that I just, I kind of don't even think about it. Yeah. I, except those little moments when I do, you know, yeah. but those are fewer and farther between the longer I stay away from a drink, you know, it, uh, it it's not attractive to me anymore. That life was, was no life at all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I heard someone sort of describe it as that the obsession fades into occasional cravings and then the cravings just get further and farther between. Uh, and I, I think that's a good, to me, that's just definitely what it felt like for me was that I just, I, I thought about alcohol all the time. If I saw it, I wanted it. So it was hard to right. be around alcohol. And now I, I don't really see it. I don't really think about it. But on the occasional time, as you say, when it's a hot day and I see a margarita go by in a restaurant, I'm like, oh, that looks good. But then you think, yeah, except I want four. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I want four and then I'll be on the phone calling to line something else up. And then, you know, next thing you know, I'm jobless, homeless. My kids hate my guts. No, thank you. Not attractive. Yeah, yeah. So are your kids um, but, a big uh, motivator for you? It must be. I mean, you've gained so much to, to get those relationships back. Um, that must keep you quiet. Yeah. yeah. You um, know, I, I see a lot of myself in them, and that kind of scares me, especially my 10-year-old. She, They're all three girls. So um, my 10-year-old is way too much like me, and she has this sneaky behavior, and She's kind of a little deceitful now and then, and she's she's starting to get that preteen attitude. And um, so, you know, I see it, and I'm like, wow, that's me. She's, she's a little version of me. And hopefully, with the experience that I have and the things that I've gone through, now they, they both, the little ones, both swear they will never drink, they don't ever want to be drunk, they will never try drugs because they saw what it did to me. You know, they miss the seeing the worst of it because the last few years of it, um, I wasn't even in town. But um, yeah, they, I mean, they know I was I was gone. I disappeared, and they don't want that. 
You know, they don't want to be that person. So hopefully, you know, the things that they've experienced, the negative things from my addiction, um, will turn into positives in a way, you know, in such a way that, you know, they'll say, well, you know, if that leads down that road, maybe we'll just go this other way over here. Yeah, yeah. Do you have anxiety yeah. about that at all? Like, do you at all, um, when you see yourself in them, does that make you fearful? And do you overcorrect at all with no, what you not, see? Or do you I don't think so. It? You don't sound like I, yeah, it. Yeah, I don't think so. I, I'm really honest with them. I mean, they know more than than I probably even realize they know. So, uh, you know, they don't they don't know all the nitty-gritty details of the day-to-day life that I led. They don't need to know all that stuff. But they do know that um, you know, that the substances that I was abusing made me a very unhappy, unlovable person. And um, you know, seeing those behaviors in them at these young ages that I looking back I saw in you know in myself I was a little thief I would steal anything that wasn't bolted down I was always telling lies I mean I would just make stuff up just for the sake of lying just to tell a story um and you know and I'm seeing that especially in the 10 year old and uh you know I'm uh, hopefully with my head on straight now I can kind of redirect that into maybe she could be a really good author I mean maybe she could write some great stories um because, you know, she's got a very vivid imagination. She's very creative. So, you know, hopefully I can redirect those things as opposed to trying to squash them. What do you think you needed? Like, if you could go back, I do this exercise sometimes when I'm, like, thinking about something in the past that really hurt or, you know, that really sticks in my mind. Sometimes I lay in bed at night and I'm, like, obsess over some past thing that I can't change and what I do is then I just like okay I'm going to walk into that memory and give myself what I needed at that moment so um, does that make sense so if you could walk into those moments when you were stealing and 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 be able to say to yourself like hey I know you I see you Um, what would you offer yourself at that time like would it be a hug or would it would you have some wise words for yourself? Like if you could go back and heal that part of you, what do you think you would say? Cause you sound like a really nurturing mom. So oh, I wonder thanks. if you could nurture yeah, yourself. That's a great question. And, um, you know, honestly today, I think, um, the, the things that make me the happiest are the things I earn with really hard work. So if, if I were to be able to go back and talk to that, 10 or 12 year old me and say hey you know what let me show you a different way this will make you feel even better because there's definitely you know a rush that comes from stealing I used to shoplift I got arrested for it when I was 14 community service the whole deal and there was a rush that came with it like this this anticipation of doing something that's that's wrong that you can get in trouble for and then the action itself and then the the hiding so so that you don't get caught. And there's a huge adrenaline rush that goes along with that. And if I could, if I could go back and show myself that you can get that same kind of awesome adrenaline rush from maybe like running a mile or, you know, working at a job that, you know, pays so that you can go then purchase something that you've then earned and it makes you feel so much better about it. Now, granted, you don't get that instantaneous, you know, rush of adrenaline when you, 
take your time and work for something, but it definitely is much more satisfying. That's so true. And then you don't have this like thing floating around in your life that you feel like a bad person every time you look at it, right? Um, Right. Yeah. I have no secrets anymore. uh, When I was in high school, a friend, the same friend, by the way, that I was talking about, (laughs) shoplifted this little purple plastic box for me like it I don't know I was just like oh that's really cool and then she took it she's like here have it and I was I hated that thing like I gave it away Mm -hmm. because every time I saw it in my dorm room I thought I'm a thief like I'm a I don't like that's awful that made me feel awful and Mm -hmm. um, I'm just picturing someone who does that regularly and has those things all around in their life I mean you either have to feel awful or you have to become numb to it so I love that you're offering that other perspective on it. So true. You uh, encountered some of the wisest words you ever heard from an unlikely source then, that drug mm-hmm. dealer that you were talking to who said your kids uh, don't deserve someone better than you. They deserve something better from you. Um, right. Wow. That's powerful. Um, that was. And, you know, it, it just goes to show that God can use anyone Yeah. to reach you wherever you are. You know, I mean, I can't claim any credit for for what has happened in my life over the last year. Um, I mean, left to my own devices, I was where you would have found me a year ago, you know, Um, trying to kill myself with drugs and alcohol. That's that's what I do. You know, Um, once I kind of had that moment of clarity and made a decision to surrender to something else other than the lifestyle that I was living, because I was completely surrendered to it. I remember sitting there just thinking, you know, this is just my life. This is how it's going to go. This is how I'm going to die. It's just what I do. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, then the moment of clarity. And I said, well, you know, if I can surrender to that life, maybe I can surrender myself to a better one. And so that's what my life is about today is surrendering to something new, something better, something healthy, instead of something disastrous. You're amazing. That's, that is amazing. I, I don't know. I'm just so touched by that because I wonder, well, you talked about the, how you were um, working at a pizza hut, even though you're an accountant mm-hmm. by trade. And, mm-hmm. uh, and, but when you talk about it and it being a lesson in humility, like I just, I think it's so amazing how you have found these I don't know what the word is for it, but just grace in these sort of low moments and, um, and celebrate that. Yeah, it, just... it definitely wasn't my most glorious moment. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I just, I think from my sponsor having me do that gratitude list, um, I was able to find gratitude in where I was at at the moment, you know, in <laughs> um, having any job at all at that point. You know, um, considering who I had been, you know, just a few months prior to that, where I was, you know, the fact that I was, I I showed up to Christmas, to work on Christmas Day. I was a waitress at another restaurant. I showed up wasted. He sent me home. He was like, oh, no, 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 I can see your eyes. Go. I mean, I shouldn't have even been driving. So, yeah, I mean, the fact that, that that's who I had been. And the fact that another restaurant would actually want me to come in and, and put my hand in their cash drawer, 
um, you know, it just, it, I was grateful for that, that someone would give me the opportunity to keep myself from being homeless. And your gratitude continues today. Now the job that you have, you love it, obviously. And I do. Are really grateful for for what you have there. Do you find that that rubs off on the people around you? I hope so. Um, yeah, I like to hope that uh, my gratitude and and bubbly, sparkling, you know, attitude um, kind of rubs off on the people around me. Um, you know, there's days that are just really challenging. I mean, it's a CPA firm. It's 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 challenging, especially we just got through the hard part. Yeah. And uh, with you know tax season just ending, but um, oh yeah, and there's sure. a lot. Thank there's a high that. stress level in that place. Here I have you recording an episode on the first of May when it's like <laughs> most accountants are on a beach right now <laughs> or napping for a week, <laughs> and you're here giving service. Yeah, that's so true. It's a tense environment. I suppose you it have is. a choice in that moment to either be positive or be negative. Either one's going to be contagious when times are. Stressful, right? Exactly. Exactly. And I'm saving my vacation up for July because we have a family reunion um, at the end of July every year. And I'm going to take my youngest two up to meet my grandmother, who is their great grandmother. And this will be the first time that they've met them, uh, that she's met them. So, um, and, and my dad as well is up there and all my cousins and aunts and uncles. And there's like hundreds of us. It's insane. But um, yeah, so I, I get to drive my children. I get to take them for ten days out of the state <laughs> into a place where you know I kind of partied a little bit while I was up there. Um, but I'm not scared. I'm not worried that I'm going to be tempted because it, that's not my life anymore. You know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So just the fact that that my ex-husband is letting me take them for you know ten days out of Florida in my car on the road. That's huge. It's, it's just amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Well done. Well, obviously you've earned that. And, um, and that's how we, that is how we come back, right? Like one, one thing at a time. And exactly. I'm, I'm guessing Baby that steps. trust wasn't built overnight because when people have seen you take two steps forward, one step back, one step forward, two steps back, three steps forward, you know, when people right, see right. that, um, I think that they are more cautious to, to hold out, to, to give trust. And um, for you to have it really shows that you're really solid and, and that, that you're so looking forward to it and just so appreciative of it. I, I can hear that in you. That is exciting. And, um, and just, just, you know, how many of us go to family reunions and we think, oh, God, I got to go to this and my kids are going to drive me crazy. And you're reminding us <laughs> to be grateful and just what a privilege it is to do those things. Um, it really is awesome. today. Um, we are running down the clock here. Uh, time goes pretty fast on the bubble hour. I'm thinking that, um, uh, well, as always, there's there's somebody listening who exactly needed to hear what you were going to say today. That seems to always happen. And um, mm -hmm. and so I wonder just if you have some words of encouragement for anybody that's, that's struggling or, or looking for some hope. Um, yeah, you know, if I can give you just one piece of advice, and, and that's just to take it easy on yourself. If you're coming back into this recovery thing or you've been out there for a while and you're trying to get to find your way back in, 
take it easy on yourself. Don't beat yourself up so much. You know, we can, it, we're alcoholics or drug addicts or whatever. It's what we do, you know, but there is a better way. And, and it's, it's here. Um, and, and practicing gratitude will make a huge difference. It really will. Um, that uh, honestly, if there's one thing that's, that's um, been different this time about all the times before it is my level of gratitude and just finding, you know, happiness in the, in the little things in life. Um, I had a, at that concert I was telling you about, I was holding my daughter's hand and I had to take a picture of it because, you know, it was just such a sweet moment and, and there's going to come a day when she doesn't want me to hold her hand anymore. So I wanted to remember that, you know, it's just, it's the little things today. Hold on to the little successes too, those, because they, they add up and take it one day at a time. You know, we can only do this thing for one day. Okay, well, now you have me crying, and <laughs> uh, those little hands those little hands turn into big hands really quick. They do, um, don't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just, I am really grateful that you got here in time to be part of your kid's life while they're young and while they're forming, and and that, oh, when you said, you know, maybe my daughter will be a writer, oh, I just... It just made me smile because, you know, I, I, I might have good parents, but nobody ever saw that in me. You know, when I was being bad, it was just so right. bad. And um, so I'm just, I'm grateful for your success and for your ability to share it. And, and um, thank you so much, Becky, for being here. Oh, and thank you so much for inviting me. I really appreciate it. It's, it's been absolutely my pleasure. Ah, okay. Well, um, listeners, I'm I'm just kind of sitting here basking in all the notes that I took and all the things that you said, and I just feel like I'm going to just go away and think about our conversation for a while. But before I do that, I, I want to pass on to our listeners that if you would like to um, get a comment or a message to Becky, you can do that by emailing it to me, thebubblehour at gmail.com, and I'll make sure that she gets it and and hears from you. And um, you can also just write to me if you would like to share your story on this show. Um, I'm always happy to, to have new people on and to hear new stories. And uh, I also invite you to go over to my blog. Um, that's unpickledblog.com and check out some of the posts. I was on vacation and so I posted a lot while I was on vacation there. So you can look at some of my vacation pics and stuff. And if you haven't already checked out my Facebook page for Unpickled, oh my goodness, go have a look at that. It was so heated last week talking about um, marijuana use and legalization and, and is marijuana, are you sober if you smoke marijuana? Oh my God, it got so tense. Go check all that out. Um, there is a lot of good resources out there and I'm grateful that you're here listening to the Bubble Hour. I'm grateful that listeners become guests and, uh, and I am grateful for everything that happens um, as we all connect with one another. So Becky, thank you again for coming on today. I really appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. And everyone, thanks for listening. And until next time, take good care. I own it. I did that. Not proud that that was me. And when I face it, I take back a little dignity. Not looking for excuses. I just want to be free from power. 
I'm proud. 